previously on Space Cats Peace Turtles. I go back and forth every day about whether or not I think the new Winu <laughs> is a good race or a bad race. Imperial. They're definitely going to get at least one Mechatol point. Right. Um, and everyone knows the Winu win if they can get Mechatol Rex. If taking Mechatol Rex and holding it works, then it's gonna work, and I think Winu will be really fun to play. I think it'll be fun to play the Winu as well. Yeah. I just don't see them winning. There's definitely gonna be games, too, where you're playing as the Winu, and you look at the public objectives, or, like, the secret objectives that you get, and you're like, dude, it does not make sense for me to just run straight for Mechatron right. right now. Like, And I, then what? what is the point of being the Winu? Yeah, and then now, I'm just playing as basic, not race. generic yeah. race, yeah. yeah. You know, in games where I draw the Winu, I'm going to be excited because I'm going to get to do that strategy that no other race can do as well as that. This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Episode 28, First Round Strategies. Oh, man. We're finally here. Okay, you can do this. You can do this. The, the Winu. Like I don't, I, I don't want to do this at all. We tried to do this the other day, and I just really, just my desire to. I think I just like, yeah. I hate them. I this hate is them. an episode. Uh, <laughs> Dunstan checks out, <laughs> starring Hunter Donaldson as the crazy ape. Uh, this is a weird. This is weird a weird joke. intro. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know it's Dunstan checks, checks in. in. I know. Right. So mm-hmm. now you're doing your bit is. So there's this movie Dunstan checks in, <laughs> and it's about a. A, a monkey, monkey in, a hotel. in a hotel, and that was that's a that's basically the pitch is that they're just like, what if monkey in hotel? You've heard of a bull in a china shop? Well, you're gonna love this. A monkey, monkey in a hotel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then and just kind of some plot and story sure, too. Right? Yeah, just like Denouement. Yeah, we're out. And I remember there's a part where they watch Planet of the Apes, uh, and you that... remember more of this. I don't know. Oh, why I, you're I actually watched watch this movie a lot. Really? There's some cake gags. <laughs> uh, there's like there's there's this weird part with this lady who's like in a sauna thing, and she's got. I remember it was the first time I saw you know when uh, like you see someone in a sauna and they put like cucumbers oh, on their yeah. eyes. I'd never seen Your that introduction before. Introduction to that idea. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. Why have vegetables on the face? What for? <laughs> And I still don't know. I still don't know why yeah. people put cucumbers on their eyes in the sauna. Well, thanks for joining us on Face Vegetables Monkey Hotels. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> this week we are we're really gonna dive in to. No, uh, we're not. Can we? Can we? Can we be on, clear? We're not it. diving into this. Yeah, we're not. We're just kind of circling around it. We're just having like a chill party, <laughs> just the two of us, and then like the the episode, all the strategies, just kind of it's sitting over in the there. corner, looking at us like. Hey, you guys want to do my my thing now? I'm like, no, we we're, we're out of lost. our depth. Yeah, we're, we're out we're of our really depth. out of our depth to do this Winu guide. And I I think you can hear. Yeah. You know, we we gave you a little taste of things that we've said about the Winu previously on the show, and you know, all of that's pretty bad. Yep. There's even more. Like, it's very cringy. Let's let's start with this. We were fairly hesitant, but 
in every instance where we were not hesitant and like, yeah, maybe it'll work out, we were dead wrong. Yeah. The Winu, the faction in Twilight Imperium 4th Edition, is by far the worst faction in the game. Yeah. The, there's all those statistics out there, but don't believe... Those statistics are not really exact at this point. There's not enough out there to, to call it, and, and they list Sardak as the worst, and I just... That's definitely not true from a sheer, like, what-they've-got standpoint. Winu is so incredibly terrible. Let's let's start breaking these these people down. Can I say th- something? Yeah. I think Winu is terrible the more... Like, okay, so... In the way that Sardak is mistaken for a race that is easy to play, Winu is a race that can do very well if everybody's pretty new at the game. And that might be why their statistics aren't so bad, because when you get into people who know what they're doing... Well, technically, TI4 is still a new game. Yeah, I think we forget that. Absolutely. But, like, it is still... Technically, there are still lots of people out there playing ti4 for the first time i just feel like if you're playing at a table the bunch of people that know how to play ti4 the winu is really they're just easily yeah they've just i mean i called them myopic yeah in like one of the first episodes of space cats peace turtles and i mean guys i nailed it i am (laughs) that's one thing i don't regret at all they've got just this one focus and we've discovered doing this series that there are Lots of races that, that are have the better, same focus. Yeah, yeah. That, that are better at that. We keep getting like emails and messages and stuff about not. This isn't tooting our own horn, but like our sole strategy guide said, go for Mechatol. You're gonna be able to do really well with that strategy. And we keep getting responses that say, oh my gosh, it worked so well yeah. and so much better than we thought. And so it just proves like one of the one of those quotes you heard at the beginning of this episode is me saying they're the best at doing the Mechatol thing. They're just not. They're, they're not. not even the best at the only thing that they've got. Right. Right. So I mean I think it just and 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 I Matt experimented. This yeah. is a Matt episode. I want to make that clear. Right. So this is let's, all I want to I want to take a similar approach to what you did. Uh, yeah. I played I say three and a half games. I played one game on tabletop simulator that we did not finish, but I was not going to win that game. I was I was doing only okay in that game. But out of my three and a half games, uh, I did win one. He did win. Um, I would not say I necessarily played Winu. You can make arguments that like certain things that Winu gave me gave me the victory. But overall, compared to like how you play other races, I was mostly just playing twilight imperium and also there were some other factors that helped the fact that we had these ridiculous audience agendas like completely throwing off the balance of the game i think it was mostly because the audience picked the races that we could play yeah we were i was playing against bad races we were playing against yin and we played against who all was in there muat muat what up yeah uh Ghost was like one of the best races. Yeah, Ghost and Arborek were the best races, and Arborek pulled uh, an early move to try to thwart me. And old it, flashy Doug, uh, being old flashy, flashy Doug, and it kind of, it kind of, sh- you know, came up to bite him. So I will say this much about my Winu victory: so many crazy conditions are the only reason I had a decent win. Yeah, with Winu, and it, it is purely like out of context anecdotal stuff that is why i got a win with minute i think though that if we look at your winu games i think this does kind of characterize how it goes for winu winu either like okay cool we kind of got our stuff going and like we make it to the late game and then we win yeah or i mean think about some of the other games that you played the the other three the other three games i played as winu were 100 percent crash and burn yeah terrible like 
everything went wrong. The reason this Winu game went well is I had basically the Magic Christmas Land opening. Mm-hmm. Had exactly what I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, you still were just kind of in the pack and pulled exactly, it out. Exactly, exactly. And at no point was I just like a favorite to yeah, win. Yeah, Sort if, of by design of my strategy, but... Uh, if Muat was just kind of slow and boring and like, oh, the best I could do was just kind of hang in there, Winu was like... You were driving like a speedboat yeah. that would just like crash into the rock right. suddenly. Like, oh no, wait, this is all over for Matt now. Why? And it would always yeah. feel like, what did he? You know, it would. What did I when do you wrong? Would, when you would lose, when mm-hmm. I would see you lose, it would always feel like, okay, but he didn't do anything. Right. Like it would just. I didn't like mess up my strategy. Up. It was. And even a... sometimes I was the one ruining the game for right. you. But like I would just be like, well, all it takes is an agenda or an action card. Or, or a one, VP. Yeah, like, yeah, one bad VP for them is is you're dead. Um, you Muat, you said all of your eggs are in one basket. Right. My argument with Winu has been you've got the basket and you have no, no eggs. No eggs. <laughs> you yeah. have nothing for you. You could yeah. There's a basket for you to go to very clearly in the middle yep. of the of the map. And you've got nothing. No eggs. There's nothing to, to cook. put in it. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like here's my basket. Yeah. I'm pretty sure eggs go in here, right. but I ain't got. Does none. anyone have any eggs that I can please borrow <laughs> for this for basket. this basket? Yeah. So let's talk about the Winu. Let's uh, let's dig in. There's some interesting things about their theme that I really uh, feel like are very important. You actually kind of deep dived on the theme. I them. I wanted to dig dig. Do you in. like the fiction of the Winu? I do. Yeah, they're interesting. Yeah. When they were first added, it was really interesting too because you just have this that the Winarin custodians had always been this myth or whatever, right? So I'm not gonna like do the whole story, but the idea is there's the Winarin that live on Mechatol and there's the Winu, and the Winu want to now race for the throne. They want to be in it, but the Winarin said, "Well, we're not gonna just give it to." you we actually are beholden to this like let the best race win kind of thing and so the winu go home and i just want to read to you the last like couple sentences of their sheet the winu population rushed to farouk's support a sense of righteousness and superiority motivating them to an intense mobilization building massive fleets eerily reminiscent of ancient lazic's designs and training massive invasion forces the winu are intent on returning true lazic culture to the galaxy okay so their starting units is one carrier two infantry one cruiser <laughs> two fighters if you pay a attention massive invasion a massive force, invasion force. A if huge you pay... <laughs> ma- just a massive fleet uh here one more time one carrier two infantry if you pay attention to scpt you know that we like what is it hunter it's the 4c 8i right <laughs> <laughs> Massive invasion force. Two C four I. They they have nothing. They have nothing, and their whole purpose is to get to Mechadol Rex before a massive invasion else. fleet. One carrier, <laughs> two infantry, a cruiser. It is two fighters. It is um even just looking at it numerically, it is the worst start in the game. If you like put a value to every you know every mm-hmm. unit plus like what a PDS might be worth. Mm-hmm. They have the lowest value start of the game. Mm-hmm. The The only race that I think to us that we've considered worse than them is, not worse, but like Muat also has a terrible start, but at least theirs is a war sign. Yeah, at least they have like, <laughs> it's like they're sacrificing having a normal start for yeah. like uh, something. There's something I thought about after we got done with the episode where I was like, I wish I'd said this even once. Uh, speak quietly and carry a big stick. Mm-hmm. That is Muat. Then your That's big Muat. stick is the war side. But you at least get a big stick. Yeah. There, there is, I believe, no other faction that 
only has two infantry and only has one carrier. You've got Necro, they have one carrier, two infantry, but they have a Dreadnought. No, no, there's, there's no race that has one carrier, two infantry. If you have two infantry, you have at least two carriers. Yeah. Meaning that you can... Or you have two things that can carry your units. Right. Winu has one unit that carries things and not enough infantry to do anything else with. So uh, their start is truly depressing. Um, they also have a planet that is a 3-4. So high influence. High influence. Whoa. Yeah, that doesn't do you oh, any good in the start. <laughs> oh, good. Round one. Well, uh, this four influence will be spelt on something yeah. special. Let's, their start, they start with one tech. And you get to pick what it is from the zero tier tech, right? You get to choose either anti-mass, neural motivator, plasma scoring. Or sarween. Or sarween tools. Uh, and I will later in this episode put forth the argument that there is only one choice, and it is Sarween, but we'll get into that more yeah, later. Sure. So here's the thing about the Winu, and, and this is touching back on the theme idea. They were supposed to have this amazing start. They they rallied the troops, and everyone's ready to gun it for Mechatol Rex. Well, maybe that's a lot of troops for them. And though. they Well, maybe. <laughs> well, except for the fact that they are, like, third or fourth highest population as far as the race sheet is as well. Like, they're supposed to have a huge yeah, amount of people. Yeah, but if you look at them, sure. they don't seem too hardy looking, well, you know? Well, my argument is... Probably a lot of artists. The, the like, Winu... They probably have, like, a cool street with, like, you're, lots of bars you're really, and stuff on it. You're really nailing it, because oh, the really? Winu are the stereotypical, like, World War II-era French army. No, they're Portland. They're, they're also Portland? It's Portland. Well, I'm into the French the, Winu. Yeah, okay, I'm tired of this French thing, actually. <laughs> uh, I, we have a friend, we have a mutual friend, actually. You do friend, not actually. like the Winu. I, I, you I, do not want them mm-mm. rattling their sabels. It's been done. It's been it's done. Been done. That's it's fine. been too done. So Hunter, we have a friend in the French Foreign Legion, dude, and it looks I like know. He, he looks like a cool dude, rough, tough boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I I was actually like trying to make sure like French history does not back up the idea that French yeah, dude, are bad. The at French Revolution <laughs> was like, <laughs> really oh man, dude, when like... they turn on the, each other, they're nasty. So nasty Hunter, little Hunter, goblins. give me give me the Winu as Portland, Oregon. Uh, they just like you know, it's not big. They're just like all. We're figuring out, you know? Like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> it's just, like, we're trying to, like, I don't know. Like, maybe we'll go to Mechatol. I don't know. We're just thinking about it. When we get there, our moms are going to pay for us. So, <laughs> <laughs> when we, we're going to, listen, dude, I'm totally moving to Mechatol. I and mean, Mechatol is, uh, everyone talks about moving to New Orleans in this town. Uh, I'm totally moving to Mechatol. <laughs> it's actually really funny, because once you get to Mechatol, you don't know, it's not what you expected. And that's what very true of when Portlanders moved to New Orleans. Yeah. We're from Arkansas, so we get we're, we knew we're, down. we're leaving. We can handle it. <laughs> but Portlanders moved to New Orleans, and they're like, "What? Everything's not clean all the time." Why is my skin on fire and also soaking wet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what? The weather's not like perfect here all the time. What are these bugs? They're like mean bugs. Did you know that Oregon has like no mean bugs? Has, has anyone realized this? They're like, I ask all the time. I'll see like a spider and I'll be like, oh man, are there any venomous spiders in Oregon? And they look at me and they're like, what is no. venom? What do you mean? Like spiders are mean? <laughs> all right. We got to get back on track. We're doing a Winu guide. You came here today because you wanted to hear how do you win with the Winu? What do you, do you do? How do you Winu Winu? How do you win-u? Chicken Dinu. Well, let me tell you. Someone ya. else said that. I know. That was from our. That. I stole that. So I stole it because I won with the Winu and I get to say it. That's I true. earned my chicken you dinu. You the chance. Yes. Um, so let's go over the rest of their abilities so we can explain why they are so bad. Way, right? Their flagship 
is the Salai Cycorion. Now let me try. The okay, yeah. Salai Cy <laughs> Coriander. <laughs> The coriander. It's, it's also a beer, a, a, a microbrew. Yeah. Uh, when this unit makes a combat roll, it rolls a number of dice equal to the number of your opponent's non-fighter ships in this system, and it rolls those on a seven. So potentially a bunch of dice on a seven. Cool. Cool. It sounds cool. Uh, I sort of equate this one to like the Jolnar, Jolnar flagship, where it's like, if you get it, you get it because you're doing well. Or you got the secret. Objective. Or you need to get it for your secret objective. And it might help you a little bit. But in no way is our strategy, like, reliant on it. And it is not plugging any of our holes, really. There's yeah. one thing that it might help you do, but I'm going to argue it's not even worth doing. And, and we'll it's get more to of that. a theory crafty like, thing. Well, there's yeah. that, too. There's two There's two different things oh, that happen okay, with okay. the Winu flagship. Um, their base abilities are the Blood Ties. You do not have to spend influence to remove the Custodian's token from Mechatel Rex. Everyone else cool. has to spend six influence. You cool. don't. So that's that whole, cool. that, that plays with the, we're just gunning for it. We need to be there mm-hmm. first, because that's the that point is ours by right. Yeah. Reclamation says, after you resolve a tactical action during which you gained control of Mechatol Rex, you may place one PDS and one space dock from your reinforcements on Mechatol Rex. This is the most annoying thing in the world to me yeah. because it is after you resolve a tactical action, which means you do not get to produce on the turn that you take Mechatol Rex. Which means when L1Z1 takes it from you, they get to they do get better to do than you do at what you do. <laughs> exactly. You, If you have L1Z1X in your game, you taking it early is like the worst thing you, you could do. offered it you up just, to them on yeah, a silver platter. They're just going to park right next door and wait for you to de- get it because yeah. they get a free build and a free space dock and a free PDS. Um, we already went over the units and everything else. And that, that's it. That's the Winu. You notice how there's, like, only two abilities, and both of them you use them one time in the entire game? Yeah. One of them specifically only one time. The other one, yeah, you could lose Mechatol and come back and get that space stock and PDS again. But for the most part, one-time use abilities. Yeah. Therein lies sort of the worst part about the Winu, mm-hmm. is that you do not have anything going on for the course of the game. Except for, let's go over your faction, faction technology tech. because faction tech, baby. this becomes very important you oh, have i want to read lazic's gatefolding yeah. so lazic's gatefolding is the first and least and least sexy of the two um during your tactical actions if you do not control mechatol rex treat it as a treat its system as if it contains both an alpha and beta wormhole and then it also has an action ability um action if you control mechatol rex exhaust this card to place one infantry from your reinforcements on mechatol rex so, you, know, you always know it's a bad tech when it has two right. different abilities yeah. on two it. Two weak abilities does not equal one good tech. Yeah. Uh, except for maybe chaos mapping. Yeah. But chaos mapping's second ability is amazing. Right. And that's we're talking about the SAR one that lets you just build yeah. at the start of every turn. That one's really cool. It's just ridiculous. Lazic's gatefolding. You might hear people talk about Lazic's gatefolding as kind of like your way in. But the important distinction here is that you treat its system as if it contains both an alpha and a beta wormhole. This is when you do not control Mechatol Rex. That means if you happen to be near an alpha or a beta wormhole, you can use it as you're in to get to Mechatol Rex. You can also just go to Mechatol Rex. (laughs) And the secondary ability of when you do control it is one infantry, and their second faction tech is significantly better at putting infantry on Mechatol Rex. So putting one person as an action on Mechatol Rex is far inferior to 
Hegemonic Trade Policy, which requires two yellow technology. Exhaust this card when one or more of your units use production. Swap the resource and influence values of one planet you control until the end of your turn. And the important distinction here is, during production, your build capacity is based off of your planet's resource value. So when you swap Mechatol Rex's resource value of 6 to 1, you now have 6 production. Your space dock there can produce 8 total units. You can produce 8 infantry for 4 resources on Mechatol Rex. And as we have talked about countless times on this podcast, infantry are the best way to defend any planet bar none. Like, yeah. you just if you can drop a bunch of dudes on the planet, it's very hard to take. Right. Right. It's it's just the best way. Mm-hmm. But, Matt, you could also get one for free as an action. I could get one for free, or, or I could, you could get just build eight. once and just be done. Yeah, <laughs> be done. Now, genuinely, you do that one build action and drop eight dudes on Mechatol Rex, you may never have to build again. And if you do, okay, build eight more. You have 16 on Mechatol Rex. You're good. It's done. Can no I, one is taking can I it say something? You. I don't think it's that. I actually don't think that Lazic Scapefolding is a bad tech. Right. I just think that hedge, like it competes with Hegemonic, and Hegemonic wins right. like every hardcore. Time. The, the reason we even put them up against each other is the entire argument is based around which tech are you going to get first. Right. And this is the other reason why I say Sarween Tools every single time, mainly because anti-mass deflectors by itself is not especially useful. Sarween will be useful round one. Sarween is useful. have a bad not, round one. Not just is it useful. Sarween Tools is almost critical right. round one. Yeah, you have a three Resource three three resources. System. So at best, you're building one carrier unless you can get Sarween tools and build two infantry in addition, which is what you need. So Lazic Scapefolding doesn't necessarily solve any problems, and Hegemonic does. If anything, I equate Hegemonic Trade Policy to your only faction ability. Yeah. Everything else is this one time, maybe it does something. Even Lazic Scapefolding is a, like a one time use thing. Hegemonic Trade Policy is your faction ability. I got a deep pull. It's the thing is. Hegemonic is Hunter's Law. It, uh, it, that is very, very true. Been 15 episodes since <laughs> that. <laughs> you are going to use Hegemonic Trade Policy every single round. Yeah. You can only use it once. You exhaust the card, but it's hugely useful every round that you use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing we need to go over is their promissory note. And um, it's a really, really tricky one, to be honest. And uh, we're th- probably going to mess it we're up. We're going to mess it up, and, and I'm pretty okay with that. There's and some people right now rigging their Exactly, hands. they're, like, ready to go. They're, like, uh, slobbering. <laughs> Acquiescence at the end of the strategy phase. Exchange one of your strategy cards with a strategy card that was chosen by the Winu player. Then return this card to the Winu player. The main purpose of this, obviously, is Winu, because they want to have control of Mechatol Rex, wants to have Imperial a lot. So you get to block them from taking Imperial. I guess. Well, if that's what they do. If that's even what they do, and there's a really good argument. I won the game as Winu. I never took Imperial, not even once. Right. Now, the problem with Winu is you play contrary to about every instinct that Matt Martins has when he plays Twilight Imperium. <laughs> um, round one, I traded my ceasefire for a ceasefire. Round two, I gave someone my support for the th- No, round one, I gave my support yeah, for the throne support for somebody for the throne. else just for you them got, to attack... Got- the Arborek who are trying to invade me. Right. I gave away my two biggest ones that I say, never trade these away around one. I did exactly those two things as the Winu. Um, your strategy card selection as the Winu is maybe the most important decision you, you make for every single round as the Winu. Yeah. And having that taken away from you can completely destroy you. I think it potentially hurts you a lot, and actually I think it's kind of hard to sell it as something people, that people not, want. Yeah, people are not usually inclined to take it 
from you. Like, it, it is kind of a tough sell. Yeah, because it's like, well, like, I mean, I would buy it from you for, like, not that much. Right. Like, you know but what I mean? But it costs me way more right. than what I'm going to get out of it. Right. Now, there's going to be some things that maybe work, because I'm going to argue in this guide over the course of it that when you play the Winu, uh, you, you're not playing the race that you think you're playing. You are not playing a Mechatol-focused score every Mechatol point you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dane Beltrami is actually the one who hinted this at us when we did his in, when, when we interviewed Dane. He said he likes to play Winu as a sort of Mechatol deterrent. And the one game where I tried that strategy, that's when I won as right. Winu. And so, at best, Winu is getting to Mechatol and holding it, but you're scoring all of your points elsewhere. And that's going to be the whole theme of this episode. So let's uh, let's start breaking down the early game. Early game, Winu. None of us want to be here, but we are. Here we um, are. <laughs> you, yeah, okay. So first what happened is you picked Winu. You accidentally got Winu. Sorry, buddy. Um, map placement. What are we... Uh, how are we going to fix... Okay. How are we... Yeah. God bless you, this mess. You, you picked Winu. You are already in damage control. Yeah. From the, and if anything, <laughs> this guide is going to mostly be early game. And I think the like late game stuff that we normally... Like we talk about mid game and all that stuff... That part of the podcast is going to go really short, but we're going to spend a pretty good chunk of time in this early game. Well, yeah, because it's harder to tell you what's going to happen in your mid to late yeah, game. Your, like your mid to late game depends on a lot of factors, and a lot of that is you need to have kind of a perfect round one and two to a certain extent. So, map placement. Here's what I had in the game that I won. And I, first off, the game that I won, my original plan was to start with anti-mass deflectors and try the blue route. I never really got a good, solid try at seeing how just going strictly blue went. Yeah. But that game, I ended up in a pie slice with a yellow tech specialty, and I immediately abandoned the idea right. that I would be going right. for blue. because gonna the yellow, gonna gonna I'm going to skip Graviton and get Hegemonic right away. So that was crucial to my success, was mm-hmm. being able to get Hegemonic very, very quickly. So if you can get a yellow technology specialty, I almost put that above everything else. Right. Um, save for the only other thing is you want a clear line to Mechatol Rex. Uh, so you need the hex adjacent to your home system towards Mechatol Rex and the hex adjacent to Mechatol Rex. Those two systems, they need to have planets. Right. If they do not have planets, you're going to waste some time in round one because I'm not going to even really suggest you divert from this main strategy. Um, but it would be really nice to take planets along the way to Mechatol Rex. So... Two two planet systems is like the ideal for me. I had in my home slice <laughs> the system adjacent to Mechatol Rex was Lazar Sacculag, and the one adjacent to my home system I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was another two planet home system. That is like as good of a pie slice as you could ever ask That's for awesome. for Winu. Um, so. The only other things you would, like, kind of hope for are some sort of natural border. Normally, we're not, like, a big fan of trenches, but Winu desperately wants a trench between them and at least one of their neighbors. You're very exploitable by your neighbors. You are so I, as, intensely as a, exploitable. As someone who has exploited the Winu, mm-hmm. I can say you're very, you will be quite exploitable. Here's the other problem, and especially round one and round two. As the Winu, everyone knows what your game plan is. Mm-hmm. You have no secrets. You want to get Mechatol Rex. Because to do otherwise sacrifices any and all of your abilities. So, of course, you want to go for Mechatorx. And I am here suggesting to you, go for Mechatorx. But the issue you are going to constantly come into is every single other player at the game knows how to stop you, and it costs them very, very little gains to stop them. you. And gains them a pretty good amount. They, take, they can easily take you out of the running. You lose 
everything you have. They gain a planet or two or something, or they just throw out an action card that completely ruins your entire life. Can I? Well, yeah, and that happened. Yeah. You can. We should find that tweet and right. show it to everybody. I want to say something. Uh, I did not play Winu, so when you hear me talk about it, you know this is the, this is clearly just theory crafting zone. But I do want to say if you don't have a yellow tech specialty and maybe you don't have the clear line to Mechtal, maybe an alternative plan is uh, you're gonna go blue. And you're gonna get you maybe you'll try Lazex and you want a wormhole near you. Yeah, I don't know. A wormhole might help. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. We'll, don't don't errata that. And we're gonna know. we're gonna get into some stuff. What I would like to do for kind of the rest of this guy, we kind of set up what your ideal is. Basically, I want to set up what your what your perfect round one could be, and we'll like outline how all of that works and what what all you do. Yeah. And then I'll try to real quickly go over what the caveats some, are. Some contingency here, here, plans. Here's, yeah, here's your contingency. What if this happens? Well, you do X. What if this happens? Yeah. Well, you do Y. And we'll go over a bunch of those um, because we almost went insane with yes. this, by the way. We tried like, to record this episode like four days ago and couldn't because we hadn't worked out enough ideas. Yeah. There was too many, well, what if this happens? Yes. And w- honestly, you could probably poke a million little holes yeah. in this thing doing a bunch of what ifs. Absolutely. And that's kind of true with this whole project of Space Gatsby Turtles sure. in general. But with Winu, that is their their number one weakness is with Muat, they're a hard race and we found the safest play. Mm-hmm. With Winu, there just isn't a safest play. Their straight up and down is not a safest play if you have any intent on using any of your advantages. Right. The safest play as Winu is to not play Winu. And I don't even mean that in the like sarcastic way people say of like you shouldn't have picked Winu, but I mean you just don't play with your it's racial just not abilities. Safe. Yeah. I think that's their, that's their what abilities we say. are not safe. Yeah. So if you are going to play the Winu thing, you are playing a gamble and you are gonna you're you're that's what that's what you're doing. You're here to play this game. Dude, honestly the myth of the Winu is that like the, it's so ridiculous the way that they're characterized, the way their art is, because their abilities are actually very aggressive. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's, a, it's very aggressive for your thing to be, we take Mechatol Rex, but they are not given yeah. the thing to back up that aggression. Exactly, which is so why it's, it's so odd. easy for everyone to stop you, because aggression in Twilight Imperium is not especially good, mm-hmm. and the Winu do not have anything to back up their aggression, like you right. were just saying. They're so, yippy. <laughs> they're, they're, like, they're like a little yippy dog. Yeah. The, the very first thing, and this is like different than anything else we've ever suggested with a first round strategy guide is before you even go for this like we're gonna go for Mechatol Rex you gotta look at the other races at your table yeah what are your other factions who's next to you who is going to directly impede your ability uh the big scary forces that you could be looking out for soul mm-hmm. and sar soul and sar the big ones those are the any those are the two races that also have a lot of incentive to rush for Mechatol Rex. And they're and they, better than you. They are you. 100% better than you. Um, the only other things to be kind of afraid of, uh, I had a ghost as my neighbor. Ghosts are pretty scary because yeah. they can get into your home system and you're leaving your home system way undefended yeah. because you don't even have a choice. You have one carrier and one cruiser and that carrier has to expand somewhere. Mm-hmm. So that cruiser either stays at home and is like, oh, maybe I'll be able to defend or you like probably need to do something with that cruiser. Right. You have nothing. And you're going to be abusable. So anyone who can get mobile stuff into your home system, you got to be care- You got to be ex- like really, really careful. So what strategy cards are we taking? Warfare, done. We're walking away from it. Like I, I, I struggle to have any other recommendation that gets you anywhere besides warfare. Mm-hmm. And the idea with warfare is you move to the system adjacent to your home system because your carrier only moves one. You pull the warfare off. You move to the system adjacent to Mechatol Rex. That's your round. 
That's why you hope that there's two planets on each of those systems so that at least you took four planets. Right. If there's an empty system in between there or, like, God forbid a nebula or an asteroid field or a supernova, you're screwed. It's over. You already you shouldn't even be doing this strategy. Mm-hmm. But if you've got some planets that you can take along the way, you might be okay. If you can't get warfare, you have to take politics. You just have to because you have to take warfare next turn. And um, you're going to be in a lot of trouble next turn because the idea with Windu is you should be taking Mechatol Rex on your first turn of round two. Yeah. But if you need to do the warfare thing round two, you're already not getting it until at least turn three. And depending on if you've got any other Mechatol Rushers, you're in trouble. So again, this whole strategy, you have to look at who's on the board and whether or not they're going to be racing you for Mechatol Rex. You're just looking for people that are going to compete with you early game for Mechatol Rex. Yep. That's and what you're looking for. So if you're playing with the salt player that doesn't look like that's what they're going for... Then you're fine. Yeah. If uh, For me, I was terrified of ghosts, and I was terrified of Hunter as Mua in my game. Because I knew he wasn't inherently wanting to go to Mechatol Rex, but that's definitely a big threat. I mean, he, yeah. he was close to Mechatol Rex with his war son, and I knew I wanted to get there, so it was really scary to know what was going to happen there. And that's what your whole first round is going to be as Winu, is like, you look at everything as a threat, and you're just terrified. I'll say this much, if you couldn't get politics for some crazy reason, tech. Because you should just then go ahead and get ahead on Hegemonic, or if you have to get Graviton, whatever. You need to get ahead in the tech game. And the other big reason you might take tech is if you don't take tech, you are not buying tech round one. Just straight up and down. You only have three resources, and you have to get a carrier and two infantry. There is no other line that you can go down. You do not get tech round one. Matt, um, I know the answer to this, but I just want you to explain for us why you are not recommending trade. You just mentioned that they only start with three resources. How yeah. come How come no trade? That might help, right? So getting extra resources doesn't do anything for you if you can't necessarily take advantage of them round one. So let's say you can get those resources. Well, first off, you can't because you are expanding straight down the middle of the pie slice. Right. You are not going to end up with pretty much any neighbors because... In most cases, the only way to get a neighbor is for the two of you to expand to the adjacent systems that are between you. Right. And you're not doing that as Winu in almost any strategy. So you're not going to get any neighbors. So at best, you're getting three trade goods out of trade. And those three trade goods, they're just not enough because now what? Maybe you're going to spend three resources from your planet and one trade good on trade or on on tech. tech. And now you have two trade goods to build to something. Do. You're not. It doesn't help. You have to have another carrier and another and two more you infantry. You have to spend the equivalent of and not necess, not the equivalent of four resources on a carrier and two infantry. Yeah. You have to. Yes. You there's have no. To. There's no other thing that you're allowed to do. If you can somehow get my, if somehow you're able to get trade from somebody else, Hakan in your game wants to be your benevolent benefactor. Maybe they're going to give you some more money. Cool, you can get more forces. Or if you can somehow rummage up more money, maybe you do the secondary. Oh attack. man, they, if, let me tell you, if that's the case, they are using you. Yeah, for they're di- you're, you're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in almost every single game, you're not getting tech round one, which sucks because it would be really nice to have hegemonic by round two when you take Mechatorex. But even then, it's not going to matter as long as you have hegemonic trade policy by round three. You might be okay. Everything yeah. might be okay. Yeah. Um, you always start with Sarween as your starting tech, and then you're either getting Graviton or, I mean, obviously, if you can pull off a diplomacy flip of your yellow tech planet to get hegemonic trade one, I mean, uh, round two, that's mm-hmm. great, but you're not getting it round one. So, again, I'm just going to I'm gonna spell this out as clearly as I can. For round one, my ideal thing is 
Two planets on the way to Mechatol, one with a yellow tech specialty. I take Warfare. I know, this is insane. I take Warfare, I expand, I pull it, I expand again. I am now adjacent to Mechatol Rex at the start of round two. That's my round one. So let's talk about some of the caveats. Yeah. Um, let's let's start with there's no horribly scary race that I'm that I'm racing to Mechatol Rex. So I'm still gonna go for Mechatol Rex. Right. But I couldn't get Warfare. What do I do instead? Well, that's the situation where you get politics. You expand one away from you. Next round, because you get to pick first, you take Warfare. You expand adjacent to Mechatol. You pull the token with Warfare. You get into Mechatol Rex. That's turn three. And that's really scary because other people could do something about it. Right. But m- maybe you get lucky. Maybe and that's the sentence that it equates to every single play in Winu's arsenal is yeah, maybe sorry, you get guys. lucky. Sorry. If you feel like that's a cop out, it's like you try this. Yeah. <laughs> um, what if you don't have a yellow tech specialty? That's fine. Tech is a little bit more viable for you to want to get round one because you're going to fall even further behind. But again, you don't really need it until round three because you are. there's almost no way you're getting... Mechatol round one. Right. Unless and you're, you're going to get it round two, and like we already talked about, you can't, you can't build, build out of it. So you're building your bunch of infantry at the beginning of round three anyway. That's a, that's a good thing to put out there. I think uh, the idea, like it's useful, I think, for a Winu player to understand that they will not get to use Hegemonic yep. until round three. So that's kind of the timer on Hegemonic Absolutely. if you're wanting to get yeah. to it. So the idea is if you didn't get a yellow tech specialty and you probably didn't play tech round one or didn't get any tech round one hopefully you got warfare you take tech for round two you take mechatol rex and then your second action is to play tech and use six resources to get both tech you get graviton and you get hegemonic Mm -hmm. now that's spending a lot of money but again the idea is that you spent the rest of your money on a carrier and some other stuff last round so hopefully you can still expand somewhat safely um the other i have to say this because i feel like i'll get errata if i don't Let's talk about the blue path idea. Yeah. Let's talk about what if I can get gravity drive? I might be able to take Mechatol Rex round one. Sure, you might. What it would require to get Mechatol Rex on round one is you start with any mass deflectors. You are going to need money to purchase any tech because you're going to have to have warfare to do this. So like Diplo's got to happen at a good time. Diplo's got to happen at a good time or trade. Someone's just willing to trade a lot of money to you. Maybe you're giving out your support for the throne. Maybe you're giving out your ceasefire. It's just like every magic Christmas land where it's like if all of the secondaries happen at the best time for you. You can get gravity drive round one, move it to a way, flip warfare, get into Mechatol Rex. That, that is technically possible, but let's talk about what you lose when you do that. A, you spent all of your money on tech. I cannot imagine a scenario where you get enough money to get tech and, and also, also build get, a carrier and two you're infantry. Not, you're probably not getting eight resources. Exactly. Round one, which is what you need. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's hard. because If you're like, able to get that, that's amazing. Kudos to you. And you did it. But, but like 99% of the time, you're basically only getting the tech gravity drive if that's what you're getting round one, which means you have one cruiser. You're literally just like an empty pie slice. You have nothing there. Right. Um, and so my proposition to you, let's say you just decided to go for the strategy. You have to leave Mechatol Rex round two. You went to Mechatol Rex to assure that you would get the point first. You do you not have enough stay. to stay there. You, you have cannot nothing stay there. to back it up. But what's nice is that you now have gravity drive, so you can get that carrier somewhere else, and you can finish your expansion round two. You spent round one getting one point, which, hey, sometimes that's what Twilight Imperium is, right? Sometimes you spend a round doing everything to get one point. But in round two, 
is like super damage control. You have to get your other carrier mm-hmm. infantry out there. You got to take some more systems. Round two is all rebuilding for you. Right. So if you went blue route, okay, that's fine. But you have to do all these other things. And the safer play is to start with Sarween tools because you do not have good economy and be working towards hegemonic trade policy. Because even without Mechatol Rex, hegemonic trade policy is going to pay off on any of your planets that have more influence than resources. Dude, and yeah, if you're playing with a group of people that like know how to stall out certain things, or like if they didn't take diplomacy, they're going to they're not you. willing to trade with you. Like this kind of has to do with the table. Yes. Like, and also this is the big meta problem with Winu is we were talking about this earlier. It's easy to stop you every time I've played it, and I'm playing with people who like are all are all actively trying to play against each other. The number one struggle with Winu was always someone at the table goes, yeah, but it's not going to cost me very much to completely crush the Winu's right, game. Right. They will take that opportunity every single time. It's so attractive to do, too. Yep. Like There have even been times when someone did it and it didn't even really make a lot of sense, but they were just like... Right. If I do this, I'll ruin him. Yes. Like, the time that guy played nuclear meltdown on Done. You, there was no real... Re- like, literally, it was the first time Matt took... Mech- it was the first yeah. time Matt played Winu. Yeah. You take Mechatol Rex. We've talked about it on the podcast. The before, next action the that next someone The next action did. that someone took was they played nuclear meltdown reactor on the... Reactor meltdown. Reactor meltdown. Nu- yeah, nuclear meltdown. That's silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, reactor meltdown on the space dock and destroyed it. The second that Matt yep. had built and he was just like, well, great. That's the... That's it. That's it. That's what I have. If that happens, notice, we do not have a contingency plan for if someone does that to you. If someone does that to you, bravo. Yeah. You resort back to, I don't have abilities. Right. Except for hegemonic. Like, hegemonic is literally your only saving grace, and it doesn't save you from this problem. And the biggest problem is just that it's just so easy for people to take advantage of you. It's all they ever want to do. Mm -hmm. So, let's go into the other idea. You have already resigned yourself to, you know what? I'm not taking Mechatol round one or round two. Like, I'm not racing for Mechatol. Right. I'm just going to say, forget it. I cannot get that first Things are point. not going to work out for you. Soul, you didn't get the strategy cards you right. wanted. Soul is going to get there. Right. Sar is going to get there I'll first. say this. If you're Winu and you're picking last, like, if you end up last in speaker order, that you can't do the Mechatol thing. I just right. do not. I cannot see a way it's going to work. Maybe, maybe you can get political and make some things work. But, like, if you're last in speaker order and there's a soul player... You're doomed. Yeah. There's just nothing you can do. I, I can't imagine Soul doesn't go for Mechatol Rex in this situation. I mean, I feel like in that situation, it's like Winu would literally have to, like, trade away everything to get someone yes. to take care of Soul. Yep. And then somehow things would have to work out for Winu that they get in there. Right. Like, Which is possible. Like, if you're really if you're really good at metagaming people, maybe you can pull it off. That's always an option. With that's always an option with anybody. We, that's almost... In everything we've said in this whole show, right. there's always the chance that you're just so good at the meta yep. that you can convince people to bend. You're like, you know, you're like the emperor, yeah. and you can just convince people to do things right. that you want. So if you if there's just no way you're doing the Mechatol thing, um, your new plan. Let Let's first say maybe you still got warfare, but like you know, Sar is gonna beat you there. And that's just like, it's not worth the risk. You're going to lose your only carrier and your two only infantry. That's your whole fleet, basically. Yeah. So there are definitely situations where it's just like, going to Mechatol would ruin me. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, you are playing vanilla Twilight Imperium. You expand. Uh, if you have warfare, you build a carrier and two infantry in your home system. You pull that one or mm-hmm. you, you know, whichever one you want to, but you pull one of your carrier's tokens and you expand to another planet. You take two planets 
round one. That's the best you can do. You definitely start with Sarween tools because you need the money to get that second carrier and the two infantry. Uh, the only other suggestion I can give you if you couldn't get warfare is you take leadership or you take tech. Leadership and tech are the only two ways to outstall warfare. If you are trying to outstall the person who has warfare, because you have to get one carrier, two infantry, uh, with tech, it's you do your three actions, and then you play tech. You The next action that happens, they will, will have had to play warfare. You can now do an action. So tech is one way to outstall warfare. Leadership, you get three tokens. You're able to just burn activations until you're allowed to do the warfare secondary. It absolutely sucks, but it is, it is worth it in this case because it's the only way you're getting enough infantry and carriers to do what you need to do. You have to take two planets round one. Because if you're going to have no abilities, you have to have as good of an expansion yeah, as you, you can possibly hope for. Yeah, you at least have to have a good slice. Yeah. Jeez. Um, so basically the worst case scenario for Winu is you only took one planet. You didn't do much for your cause in Mechatol Rex. Maybe you got two extra trade goods. Like you... There's just not. I just. I do not like. You're doomed. The, you're, yeah. You're I don't like. I don't like point. your look for this. It's kind of just. I don't know. I mean, I. I think in this scenario, your new goal sort of becomes like, I'm going to build a solid slice, and I'm going to wait to yep. see what happens on Mechatol. Yeah. You're waiting for. I will say this much. Um, and this is getting into some mid game stuff, but the rest of the mid game is going to be talking about like, what if you did get Mechatol? So to to put the what if you couldn't get Mechatol at rest, you need to get a fleet parked next to Mechatol. You need to get PDS there. You need to sit and you linger until it is weak and you jump on it with everything you've got. Mm-hmm. Um, because the only other thing you're doing is just going for um, objectives without any abilities, which is, I mean, maybe fine. Maybe you can pull a win off that way. But the only way you're going to get yourself anywhere is by getting Mechatol at some point. Yeah. So park next to it and wait. Okay, so we are about to jump into what the rest of your game looks like as Winu. And before we do that, I want to set up your core philosophy for what it means to be a Winu for everything past round one and two. Right? Round one and two was just like, get to Mechatol or die. Mm-hmm. So now we're here. Maybe it worked. What are we doing as the Winu? Um, the number one thing, and this is the only thing that worked for me as Winu, is do not take any sort of lead you are too easy to stop as we have already like said and this this continues after round one or two you are still too easy to stop if that agenda comes up that just nukes mechatol rex your whole strategy is thrown out the window that also happened to me in one of our games um your only option as the winu is to hold mechatol rex never use it to get ahead but if you fall behind enough you can try to get Imperial and catch up a little bit, but you want to be like one point behind the leader or maybe tied with the leader all game. But even being tied with the leader is a scary proposition. Right, because you're easily shut down. You the are easily might not shut be, down. Like the other leader might not actually be there. Exactly. Way. So you, you, I was at least one point behind the leader the whole game up until the very, very end. I think you kind of want to work this angle. Basically like, oh, Winu's got Mechatol. Cool. Well, they're not taking Imperial. Okay, well... Guess Might as well let them sit there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you you are playing into that. You are you are optioning that to the rest of the board, saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm not going to be the Mechatol that scores points, but what I am doing is denying anybody else from getting Mechatol." Which, depending on what race people are playing, like they might be like, "Well, 
That's okay, that's just kind of one less thing for me to worry about. Yeah, basically. and 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 it turns out people are pretty okay with that proposition. Honestly, when I was playing Mua, I was like, well, I didn't want to overextend and take yeah. care of you. And you know what I mean? Right. I was like, well, I dropped I, as many dudes on Mechatol as I could, so it does become kind of an investment. And right. if I'm not taking the points, no one's going to try and. I think you should explain me. your hegemon. Well, you you've already explained it. The production thing with hegemonic, where you yes. flip it. I, I just wanted to say that you can do that even after you've exhausted Mechatol Rex. I don't think yeah. a lot of people understand. Yes, you, that. because I can I can use the influence of Mechatol Rex to get two command counters mm-hmm. and still exhaust my hegemonic trade policy and flip the value of Mechatol Rex to turn it into a six-one planet that gives me eight production value you're just i have four resources elsewhere i'm building my infantry with other stuff right it's really great obviously to have six resources from one planet to build stuff but more often than not you need the command counters from mechatar x and you really just need the production value Right, from the, a six one. The ability to produce that many units on right. Mechatol is actually more important than yeah. six resources. More often than not, I was flipping Mechatol Rex for the six one and then spending Winu three resources on infantry. Yeah. And that was it. That just makes like, sense. I just yeah. put that and I got six infantry out of it, right? Actually in our game it was three infantry because we had a law that also crushed the Winu spirit yeah. where so infantry cost one for one. Again, there are so many things that completely destroy. There's so many things that can go wrong. Yeah, really. Yeah. But even even with that one, I was able to ho- at least hold on uh, because everyone had that same problem of suddenly infantry became more expensive. So at least I had that. But you you just are too weak. You do not need to be taking any leads. You need to go for victory points. This is very similar to Sardak Noor. Just go where the points follow. But you're running blocker on Mechatol Rex. You're just not letting anyone else get it, and you're making that purpose very known. This is the one situation where I think acquiescence, your promissory note, might have a purpose. If you need one, if one person's like, I don't trust that you're going to not do Imperial or whatever, or like every, the whole table is still like, we have to take Imperial every single time, you might be able to get one person to agree to some sort of trade where it's like, I will take Imperial if you take tech. Mm-hmm. And then I'll give you acquiescence so that you can steal my Imperial from me, but at least I get something out of it. These are the kinds of really annoying, hard yeah. <laughs> deals you have to make with Win- as Winu. As Winu, you are coming to the table behind, and you are always begging for help. I, I, there's almost no situation where you get to, like, demand anything from a neighbor. Um, I, in my game, Arborek attacked me beginning around two? I think uh, I said this wrong yeah. earlier, but Arborek attacked me very early. Yeah. And I immediately said, I will give my support for the throne to anyone that goes and digs into Arborek's system mm-hmm. or does something about this spot or whatever. Do something about Arborek and you will get my support he for the He created throne. a new VP. I created a new VP and Ghost of Creus, with their crazy mobility immediately said, oh, I can do that for sure. There was a wormhole near uh, Arborek and they were very willing to jump on it. So they did that. Arborex saw that it was fruitless to keep digging into my pie slice. They had to pull everything back and to assure that the two of us weren't going to just like really keep destroying each other because they had left some ground forces and stuff behind. That's when we agreed to our ceasefire for ceasefire. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't able to demand a ceasefire for a ceasefire. It was a Arborex, you've already hurt me. If we let this continue... We are both doomed because I will give everything I have to people to help dislodge you. It's important to know that Ghost was one of your neighbors and that mm-hmm. Arborek was obviously the other neighbor. So yeah. that means he had a 
support for the th- well he had given a support for the yeah, throne i didn't get him. anything for it right except for them for attacking arborek right which i mean was all that you really needed to get the ceasefire from saved the my game you had two neighbors that had no reason to attack you and he and under that circumstance which is a crazy circumstance yep. to try and create yeah he was able to win right and i think that had a lot more to do with it than really anything else so this is the point as winu is your mid game is determined by every opportunity you can seize. You are not creating opportunities as Winu. You are finding out where opportunities arise and jumping on them and milking them for everything that they are worth. Mm-hmm. Again, do not play the way I have ever recommend playing. Like, you are not launching yourself at victory points. You are not, like, you are giving up lots of promissory notes. That, that's why I, I wanted to hesitate at saying acquiescence is even that bad because, like, at, specifically as the Winu... You might have to give up stuff like that, even though it hurts you a lot more than it benefits someone else. There is going to be situations where, like, that's all you got. I'll Make say this deals. much, though. Make deals. I'll say this much, though. I offered acquiescence every single time something terrible was happening to me, and it was never what somebody wanted. So that's the problem with acquiescence. People just don't care about taking it. Right, because you don't know what you're going to get. It's like a... It's weird because you, you want it... Because it's like, oh, it's cool to steal a right. strategy card always. Uh, but that's relying on whatever strategy card Winu even takes. Right, yeah. And it's like, who knows what your priorities right. are going to be late game. Because late game, things get weird as far as strategy cards. Right. Like, sometimes people start taking construction over and over, and you're like, what's up what with is that? happening? Yeah. And then they have the secret for four PDS, right. and you're like, okay. Yeah. Like, so the idea is, in the mid game especially, you trade for every advantage you can find. Um, and the game will tell you what those are going to be. You need to get other people's promissory notes as early as you can. Mm -hmm. Do whatever it takes to get a neighbor's ceasefire. Do whatever it takes to give someone else your support for the throne. That's Mm -hmm. honestly the best thing you can do as Winu, to be totally honest, because it acts as a pseudo-ceasefire for you, right? Right. I'm giving you a point. That's what saved me the game. I mean, there's, there's multiple things I could say in my game that saved me the game, but in the end, I claimed another victory point because I was able to dig into Ghost's pie slice, and they were still, they didn't see that I had the victory in my sights, and so they didn't get rid of my effort. Because it would cost them a point. Because it would cost them a point. And it was late game, and that, that point would have would have been everything. they couldn't lose. Exactly. Man. And Sorry. so because of that situation, I was able to win out of it. You were looking for all sorts of opportunities like that. I was furious when that happened, by the way. Yeah. It, so knew... e- it would have been so easy for Ghost to take out the fleet that I had set up. But their incentive was a very tricky thing to And I equate. did not even have a way to get... I couldn't even get there to... Mm-hmm. Like, there was no one... The only person that could do anything about it was Ghost, and they had your They didn't want to. They yeah. did not want to. Yeah. So your tech path throughout the game is obviously get hegemonic, and then it's just do whatever the VPs tell you to. If you need two tech and two colors, well, you've done all the yellow stuff, so I don't know. I mean, literally, it's get whatever makes sense. Obviously, getting up to gravity drive is going to be pretty good, because just like mobility is always good. That's probably my first recommendation. But if you can somehow score a green tech objective, yeah, getting neural and then getting hypermetabolism would be amazing. I mean, like, honestly, it's just anything. You do not have any other strengths that point you in any other direction, but just, like, do what the victory points tell you to do. I will make a case. Uh, the, the strongest case I can give for specifically doing gravity drive is if you are able to set up a position on Mechatol Rex, your number one strategy now revolves around... First off, getting a bunch of infantry on Mechatorex, but then also keep building carriers and then maybe other small extra fleets, whatever your fleet supply allows, because what you want to do from Mechatorex is you have this central board position 
you are looking to get victory points wherever you can. I did pretty decent at, oh, suddenly that planet is just barely weak, right? Uh, Gonna go there. Ghost, yeah, the ghost pulled out of one spot. I'm going there right now because I've got a carrier and three infantry that I can put on it. I'm going to send them out. Right. Um, that's why you're constantly putting more infantry on Mechatorex because you keep sending out these little quick legions. You're assuming that thing's going to die, and you do not send something out unless it is helping you score a point that round. That is an important factor. You are not taking ground and holding it. You are, oh, suddenly something's open, and that's going to get me my fourth hazardous planet, and I need to get it right now. This is all provided you can maintain control of the space above Mechatol, which is kind of a really it's hard It's really part. tricky. It's easier to control the planet than it is to control the space. Yeah, and if I'm playing against the Winu, I'm going to come and tear up yeah, the space. I was actually quite disappointed at how long it took for somebody yeah, to, to do anything to just be at least be in the space yeah. above you. I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, but that's my number one argument for if you need a second color, go for blue. Right. But there it's, are other, it's definitely blue or yellow. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge argument for PDS too, though, right? I mean, if I, if I need to just control sure, my high slice, yeah. I do PDS. Again, the game will tell you what is important. I cannot recommend anything over something else that's in this true. situation. Um just just go with whatever works with the victory points and with who your neighbors are and who the other factions yeah. are. It, yeah. it really is just, this is where you're playing Twilight Imperium. Um, should I be running of command counters? Probably not, but the fact of the matter is you are constantly trying to clean up messes. Your whole first two rounds are such a crazy absolute mess that yeah you might run out of command counters just because like things are people are trying to take advantage of you and in order to try and defend those things you have to spend more command counters than you were planning on using the way that your command counter economy works as winu is so wild because it like all sorts of different things can happen to you again you are not as winu you are very rarely setting up a strategy to push you towards anything you are setting up strategies that hold things off from destroying your chances at winning that's yeah. all you're doing. You're running defense all game. You get to Mechatol Rex as quickly as possible, and then you run defense all game. I mean, I think if you've got Mechatol, you should be spending it on command counter still and then doing Absolutely. the recommendation. Of and that's the other reason you shouldn't be running out of command counters, because you, you should be getting at least two every round. But if you don't have Mechatol, it's like we don't even really know what to say at that point. Yeah. It's like maybe, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, keep going, right? Like, like I think sh you shouldn't be, really. Right. If, if you're having a good Winu game, you should. it shouldn't yeah. be a concern. Yeah. But And and, and someone's going to try to take advantage of you, and the only other advice I can give is when someone tries to take advantage of you, you have to plead your case to the rest of the board. For me specifically, it was actually kind of easy um, because it was the Arborek trying to dig into me, and everyone knew that if we let the Arborek get away with this, their snowball is going to be truly out of control. And so the ghosts had this extra... It actually turned out after the fact... I asked the ghosts after I gave them my support for their own, hey, were you planning on attacking the Arborek anyways? And he said, oh, absolutely. But yeah. your support for the throne clinched it. Right. But, like, the idea of an Arborek just, like, running away with two pie slices is unconscionable. Like, someone yeah. had to do something about that. And so you're looking for those sorts of arguments to make your case on, you know? Soul's the one who just took me out. If you guys let Soul get away with this, these planets are never becoming anyone else's wouldn't you rather them be mine than double souls right and some people are maybe willing to take that up so you you are looking to when you get hurt find other people to help you because you might actually be able to plead your case Whew. yeah Whew. so late game uh let's <laughs> let's talk about counters 
Yeah, so Winu counters. Uh, they're a good counter for Sardak and Barony and Necro and Soul and. Uh, Man, they counter everybody, Malu don't they? Because they're Delmar. just the best at getting the Mechatol. Well, because you just get the Mechatol point. If you've been listening, it's like you just go to Mechatol, you get all the yeah. points, and then the game's over. And no. it's like, hey, I got all the points. Winu doesn't counter anybody. We're not making. Yeah, we're not saying. Winu that. does not Why counter. Why would we even say Who that? Who counters Winu? Uh, we talked about Sar. We talked about Soul. I think Sar and Soul are the two biggest. Two biggest. Ones, just because early game. Yeah, we talked about Ghosts. The fact that they can get into your pie slice. Other races that can get into your pie slice are Isarl, uh, Mentak. Isarl's such an interesting yeah. one when it comes to counter discussions. I feel like they get brought up a lot, and I think maybe sometimes people are like, "What are you guys talking about?" And it's just like, dude, you never know what yeah. Isarl you're playing against. Right. So that's right. like, but especially Isarl's just straight up mobility. Yeah, the fact that like their flagship can light wave deflector through your stuff to take yeah, your home system. Who knows what they're gonna right. do with that, man? They're, they're sneaky. Uh, I want to put forward. I I was definitely afraid of Muat. I I actually don't think Muat is like a hard counter, but Muat was terrifying to have in the game because it's like, hey, if Muat decided to mess with me, there would be nothing I could do. I would have needed a lot of support from the table in order for me to do right. it. Right, that was the thing. Definitely, like, Muat. I think you get you get overextended if you go for Mechatol. Yeah. Um, um, the Mentak suck for you because they're getting in they're stealing all your trade goods they're blocking off areas from you and more than anything round one they can send those cruisers way into your stuff and yeah. like block your paths and the lo- the last thing you need is blocked paths right that sucks as uh the winu uh the last one would be the barony of letnev but specifically if you listen to our barony guide the uprooters of letnev if someone is playing a heavy bombardment focused barony you're in trouble because there's no way you're going to hold on to mechatol rex if they decide to come knocking at your door and our honorable mention is the l1 not because they're specifically set up to do it but if they take mechatol rex from you that really is a bummer yeah they get your space dock they get your pds and they build on it immediately, which is yep. something you were not even allowed to do. Yeah, and there's also the late game potential of Necro to take Mechatol Rex from you to do that yeah. crazy flagship stuff that yeah. they do. Um, I think that's a kind of harder one to pull off yeah. than a lot of the stuff we've And And we've people love up. to point out that the Winu's flagship, and we, we kind of actually discussed this in our Daniel oh, Chami yeah, let's interview. let's talk about that. The Winu flagship, you could theoretically say, counters the Necro virus because their infantry that they bring into a combat through their flagship do not count as finders. So you get to roll a seven for every single fighter that they bring into the combat. Well, they don't have to bring any into the fight. Yeah, they, just they don't, can neutralize it if they, they want. They can just neutralize it. They do not have to bring any infantry. As long as they leave infantry on the ground, like, the way I look at Windu's flagship is it usually ends up as a wash, and that's majorly, mainly because you're rolling on a seven. Yeah. It, it really just depends on what the fleet you're up against is. I mean, if it's your flagship and like two other units versus their three or four dreadnoughts i still don't think your odds are very good because it really depends on what the rest of your fleet is composed as uh the one thing i wanted to say in this kind of talk about the windu flagship is i think there is an argument for parking the windu flagship above mechatol rex because then at least no matter what when someone brings something you've got a bunch of dice rolls that are going to help but the problem is you still need extra fleet on top of that. The, the Winu flagship is just not good by itself. It needs a fleet to back it up because what the Winu flagship allows you to do is match all of their rolls with sevens and then get above with whatever you're bringing to the table. Right. But Winu, it's kind of hard to say whether or not you're ever going to get very great fleets on the board. You, do, you, you very rarely have time to like get a bunch of cool ships down. So sometimes if, if you invest in a flagship, 
that might be all of your money that round. Right. Um, it might be your entire, you know, let's say you didn't get command counters and you instead invest a 6-1 Mechatol and two more resources in your flagship. <sighs> I mean, that's dedicating a lot of your stuff to one cause. And when you could just build infantry and when you could just build, security. And that's the biggest thing is if you're using Winu's flagship to defend Mechatol Rex, the infantry do it better. And it's just, it's not even important for you to hold the sky above Mechatol. You just need to hold Mechatol. And so in every case, I would recommend getting more infantry over the flagship. That was the struggle I kept coming to. I kept wanting to build the flagship because I wanted to try it out. But every time it was like, ah, I think I just need more infantry on Mechatol Rex. Right, and right. That, that won every single time. Now, that's not to say you're not going to find some uses for it. And I think it's a decent flagship to get on the board, depending on who you're up against. But it's just, it needs to be supported by a really good fleet. Yeah. It's not good on its own. Yeah. Um, All right, so Matt, what what makes this just wild house, <laughs> just hardcore, just good race? Yeah, what makes, makes them good. a superpower? They're a superpower, right, Matt? Hegemonic trade policy is the only thing that gives you any power. Hunter's Law, baby. And it is not super. <laughs> no. <laughs> you are not a superpower in any stretch of the imagination, and the only way you can capitalize on any benefits that are specific to your faction is hegemonic trade policy, which is why I do not recommend Lazic Skatefolding. You start with Sarween, you get hegemonic trade policy, it's all you've got. Yeah. I- I'll say this, uh, I think their superpower is that if you win with Winu, you get to talk about it forever. You know? I have that notch in my belt, yeah. and I will ideally just like... I'll me. never even go after that. I, right. <laughs> <laughs> I will, if I can help it, I will not play Winu for at least like six months. Ten years. Ten years. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, so the important thing here is not about what makes you a superpower, but how are you trying to get your victory? And it is purely in don't take an early lead. Utilize your support for the throne in your ceasefire to take advantage of other players knowing that you're coming from behind. You do have that. You, you're, you're begging for a crutch. And some players are like, hey, I've, I can get a victory point out of the fact that Winu needs a crutch. And if you play your game right, that could pay off in the last round or two. The fact that they don't want to attack you or that you've been denying Mechatol. Like all these things that you can do to just slow down the game for everybody else or whatever. Like... Your goal is to stay away from the lead, and then in the last round of the game, set yourself up to score as many victory points as possible. And I, I don't, I cannot imagine another way that Winu wins. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I do want to say here at the end is Winu's game changes drastically in a three-player or a four-player game where you are allowed to pick two strategy cards. And I don't know that we often enough make the case that we do not talk about three and four player games our strategies are always from the mindset of five and six player games um so in terms of winu strategy in a three and four player game that's something we will have to talk about later on down the road but yeah. th- today's guide was not a four player strategy because it is no. completely different not at all not at all yeah so that's it that's the winu that's all i can give you i'm sorry that it is not like a ticket to success <laughs> But you don't have that as Winu. Winu is holding back disaster, keeping a low profile, and maybe, just maybe, someone else won't crush your game enough to where you can eke out a victory. Unless you're playing with five completely brand new players that don't even recognize like what Winu is capable of. Then maybe you just win. No big deal. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah, they don't understand how Mechatol Rex <laughs> works. 
That's the strategy. That's, That's the what idea. we should have said was the whole guide is find some people right. that don't know how to play Twilight Imperium right. and play Winu against them. Mm-hmm. Do that. That's the strategy Easy. guide. Easy way to win. Welcome to Space Cast Beast Turtles <laughs> first round strategy guide, the Winu. Take advantage just, of new people. Just find new people to play with. Don't teach them how to play the game right. You know, <laughs> Don't really teach them what the game is about. No. Take Mechatol, take Imperial over and over, and then just win. And then they'll be go. like... Wait, you can what? win by like round four or five. Yeah, you can just be like, "What? I don't understand what happened." You're like, "Oh, I won. I won the game, and you I all won. suck." How how did you win? I built more stuff than you, and you were like, "Yeah, I told you that you're just supposed to build the most stuff, but that was actually a lie." Yeah, you're supposed to get victory points. You're like, "What are? Where's the? Where's what are that? victory points? You and never you, taught me what a victory point right, is." Right, right, right. But then and then you reveal in the closet the victory point tracker, <gasps> and you kept it in the closet. You've had the points going all and day. And everyone's like, "That's why you were going in the closet over and over." Yeah. I told you it was the bathroom, but it was actually the closet. But he did poop in there. I did do a dookie. He had to commit to the bit. Hey, Hunter, do you want to go to the errata? Nah. <laughs> All right, hey, what's up? Oh, man, this is, uh... It's been a lot of me talking this episode, so I'm glad Hunter gets to just take the reins here. Yeah, he talks too much. God, he talks so much. I get, I play games on my phone. You know? Yeah. That's what I do in a lot of this. Because uh, <laughs> we're not playing the game, you know, and I like playing the game. That's Hunter, what I like doing. Hunter, Welcome I... to Space Cats Peace Turtles Errata, hosted by Hunter Donson with freaking Guest, Matt Martins. Hunter, I want to I wanna give you a special congratulations this week. Um, honestly, not that much Muat Errata. Yep. You did a pretty good job considering what you were given in Muat's crazy game. I took it real serious. Took it real serious. And I wanted to just say cheap, easy stuff that wouldn't, like, get... Be very contentious. Yeah, just I tried to say, like, try and... Uh, like, I don't know if you guys listen to the episode, but it's pretty short, and I'm just like, try and play real good. And yeah. somebody was like, whoa, dude, no, we should play him bad. I think it should be bad. <laughs> uh, no, let's, let's get through the errata, boys and girls. Um, the first one is from Red at Twilight Imperium. It is from Breeford. Ooh, Breeford, Breeford, Breeford. Play it again. Does anybody get this? Breeford. It's Freebird. Do you remember that great um, live Modest Mouse album where Isaac Brock is mad about someone saying Breeford or Freebird? No. Do you remember? No. Well, there's a live Modest Mouse album. <laughs> if you can believe it. Uh, they thought they should do a live album. So Breeford says... Well, you have one of the best bribes in the game. He's talking about the promissory note. Or he or she is talking about the promissory note. You can also use your promissory note as a threat. If someone is about to do something nasty to you, you can threaten to give war sons to one of their neighbors. In the only game that I have played is the Muat, I never ended up giving out my note as everyone was afraid of war sons falling into the wrong hands. And that sounds like us, actually. Yeah, I that think that's a, that's a really great... Um, the, the only issue... I have with this one is it's pretty hard to like have huge control over who your neighbors are yeah. as Muat. So being neighbors with your the neighbor of your neighbor does that make sense? <laughs> right, that's kind of hard for Muat. And that actually, it's funny because I remember uh, someone even talking about the potential of an idea like this before I I played yeah. them, and I was like, cool, I'm gonna try and do that. 
Um, I never really had, yeah, that trade partner yeah. variety. I mean, it was it was always, and even if you watch the stream, there are several times where somebody is like, hey, I want War Sons, and I'm like, well, we can't trade, but yeah. maybe in the agenda phase. And then if you notice, we never that never it happens. Never comes up. And, yeah. that, and I think that's a fault of our own, though. We we tend to just forget that we are allowed to trade. If anything, I feel like we need to start instituting, like, a, at the start of the agenda phase, does anyone want to do some trades real quick? Because right, we're so good with the veto and yeah, trade writer we part. just forget everything else. So... Yeah. Um, I still do love this idea. I do too. As a as, as making War Sun Promissory Note a threat rather than a, just like a, oh please save me. It's like no no no. If you do this to me, you can guarantee I'm gonna give War Suns to somebody you don't. And it want. totally falls into just in general. I think what me and you were leaning on yeah. in the episode was like that promissory note is powerful, and you're gonna have to try and use it to yeah. make up for as much yeah. of your shortcomings as possible. Yeah, I think the more uses we have on how to use that War Sun, the better. So it's like we're never gonna turn any of these ideas down. Okay. And so, then now we've got a couple about Destroyer Two that I think we should just kind of do back to back. Yes. Yeah. So Spectronizer uh, from Twilight Imperium subreddit says. I was, however, a little surprised by your dismissal of advanced destroyers from Mu'at. I admit I don't have any first-hand experience with Embers, but it always seemed like destroyers would be a useful get for them. For one thing, they're the cheapest non-fighter ship there is, and so make great cannon fodder for any annoying non-fighter ships only damage. They can also keep pace with Gravity Drive Warsun, and they help clear out enemy fighter screens so that your Warsun's big hits can take out the bigger targets. I agree that Mu'at can make use of small fleet size, but it seems like stretching for a fleet pool of two so that you can have a destroyer escort would be worth it. Unaligned Magi on Board Game Geek made a pretty long post um, advocating a lot of these same points, and we're just going to bring up some of his points that uh, were not what Spectronizer already brought up, and that is Muad is the best race to get Destroyer 2. Since you already you are already down the red path, Destroyer 2 makes a very easy unit upgrade for objectives, two unit upgrades, three up unit upgrades technically even two for you know two and two colors if you're going blue and red sure Uh, it removes the fighter screen so your almost auto hits from the war sun are assigned to valuable targets um obviously this benefits from starforge because you can just pump some destroyers out there and in my mind destroyer 2 is almost a must-have once you get war sun 2 you are able to move these fleets two spaces at once or you can easily just let war sun limp along and move the destroyers around easier to meet at its destination now we do not advocate the war sun 2 thing but as spectronizer pointed out the destroyer 2s still keep up with a with gravity a, yeah with a gravity, gravity drive war sun war sun so hunter what do you um, got against destroyer uh, 2 well i don't i i think I'm just not crazy about the tech in general. Just mm-hmm. as a unit upgrade, it seems like there are, I don't know, it's 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 too offensive, I think, without giving you any more defensive capabilities. Yeah. I was more worried about protecting my war sun than like maximizing the efficiency of those three hits. Right. I was trying to let the war sun be an offensive unit in its own right without worrying about like, oh, how am I going to pump that up a little bit? So for me, it was all about maxing out my own fighter screen and less about thinking about like okay well i gotta get some destroyer twos in there to take out their fighter screens i was just hoping that my war sun could do it basically on its own because you have so many other things that you need to focus on um i think with the the fleet pool thing is kind of a huge problem for me because i'm encouraging you to put the promissory note out there every time you do that it costs you a fleet pool yes and i'm also encouraging you 
to like take out of fleet pool when you feel it's necessary right. because you have a really big command counter problem on top of everything right. else. So I think I just can't, I, I just didn't recommend Destroyer 2 because I didn't think you'd have the resources to be able to do it. Yeah. I mean, if you noticed in the episode, I don't really recommend the like, and we're going to get to a little bit later, the like, you should be using Starforge a lot. You should be building with command counters because overall, I feel like it's a trade that you can't really afford a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and that it was actually more useful to me as a stall, most mostly. Yeah. Um, I will say that I think we maybe have underestimated Destroyer 2 a little bit in the past, and maybe even sure. now we are. Um, but I don't think your problem as Muat is as simple as, oh, you got to get past all those fighter screens. Like, right. almost even the way that Unaligned Magi describes it, it sounds like a, a win more versus a... That's like, the biggest thing. That's really it. It's like, okay, well, if we were at a point where... Like, if you're having such a good game as Muat that you're like, oh, I'm going to get Destroyer 2 and wipe out fighter screens so my Warsunk can yeah. hit harder. It's like, well, I didn't really get a game in point. with them where yeah. I was like, cool, now I just need to maximize the efficiency of my kill power. Yeah. Like, I was not an aggressive yeah. mighty war sun race i'll say this i do love the point and this isn't even an argument for destroyer 2 but the argument for building destroyers in general is like it does help to have something against those non-fighter ships only damage yeah if you've got extra as a neighbor pumping out some destroyers and like upping your fleet supply a little bit will help you because those graviton pds shots Going right, straight for your war zone? something else. Yeah, you yeah. need you do need that kind of fodder. Um, and and obviously the the bigger argument is like I wouldn't really do the destroyer two thing unless the objectives demanded it. Yeah, it's not if something I I'm gonna the get unit normal. upgrade. Yeah, if you need the new unit upgrade it. or you got to go two and two colors and you went gravity drive, well, you're and already see there. that's the other thing against destroyer two is like we actually didn't really recommend that you go down the red tech path. But yes. like I don't feel like because of direct hit, Duranium Armor is quite dubious. Useless. Mage in Defense Grid, even though I recommended PDS, I did not recommend that you get Mage in Defense Grid. Because you never would ever. Why, why would yeah, you? Yeah, why would you? Yeah. So it's just, I don't I don't think it's actually a given that you're going to go down the red tech right. path as Warsun. The other thing, too, is even, I mean, it's even worse than that because I recommended like, oh, okay, so we're going to have a low fleet pool, which means that if you go all the way down to Assault Cannon, you might not even qualify to use it. There was right. the first game I played as Mua, I ran into that problem where I was like, cool, I, I got I got War Sun 2. Next, I could get Assault Cannon. Then I was like, wait, no, I can't. I only have two fleet supply. Yeah. Like, I, don't I, know I can't when actually I'm gonna get use more. it. Yeah, right. I'm like, I currently am disqualified from ever using Assault Cannon. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just a tricky... The thing with Mua always comes down to, like, it really depends on how your economy actually plays out. And for us, it's not ever something that ever took off. You were always struggling it against it. It was always slow. Yeah. Um, and I think that, I mean, I think there are people that have played games of Muat where they had where they got it going and they got it going fast. Yeah. But I couldn't find a way to re reliably do that. So I had to kind of write the episode from a perspective of like, it's going to be slow. Yeah. Let's accept that it's slow and let's do the right let's yeah. make the right moves in our slow economy. you have pretty good odds at making it all happen slow yeah the odds of making things happen fast become a, a really dangerous gamble really quickly yeah yeah so let's even move on to uh, a vimo 3 on board game geek says the best i have seen muat played is by getting flagship and cruiser 2 you can then leave the war sons and the fighters at home to defend uh you use your cruiser choose to do pretty much everything else you are no longer crippled by the movement speed of your war sons why fix the war sons when there's nothing wrong with it cruisers are more fun anyways there's a lot more to this post but the idea is 
we basically just decided not to try the like oh my flagship can pump out cruisers oh and no i, can get I those tried cruisers. it i right. just we didn't recommend it yeah like um i man this one this one's kind of strange because i don't know if mid late game a cruiser two fleet is really gonna be what saves you the game yeah. you know and also i th- i'm a little bit confused by the the, the post in general because why get the flagship and go cruiser two? Why not just build cruisers? Right. Like if they have this move in a three, why do you need the flagship to pump them out with command? That's counters? been our big argument. People, I feel like people get really into, and this isn't accusing a Vimo three of anything, but I feel like people get into these ideas of like, what if you could do this crazy thing on top of this crazy thing on top of this crazy thing? Isn't that wild? Um, and it's just so rare that all of that is necessary. And this is the perfect example of that. Okay, yes, you can get your flagship out kind of in the middle of the map, and then you can put a cruiser two down using a command an counter action, from your strategy. one full command counter yeah. for one cruiser, and then you can send that cruiser three spaces away. A three movement cruiser is already amazing if you have a forward space dock or even the space dock in your home system. Like a new cruiser can still get to Mechatol Rex or an opponent's home system or anything in between. Like there is not a huge need to get cruiser twos out in the open because they're going to get out in the open very very quickly that's just their nature they move three right like even if you're building them at your home system they're going to get out there pretty fast right and the idea that you're building a fleet of cruiser twos that aren't going to be locked down is ridiculous because that's going to cost you three or four command counters just to get that fleet going and i it seems too it's too big of an idea to actually put into effect when other players are playing against you. Like, you don't yeah. have time to do all of that stuff. You need to take a steady approach that keeps you consistently good rather than, like, if I can make this huge swing into these other things, man, won't my late game be crazy? Like, right. you, as Muat, your biggest crip, cripple is that you're, like, so weak in the first two or three right. rounds. Right, you just have, you have a nothing. Ba- you have a bad start. Um I think the thing that I find most interesting about this, actually, Avimo, and I would, I it it did it did uh, make me think a little bit more. Um, there is a kind of setup for Muat that I did not try, um, that I won't try. I'm done. Like I did it. <laughs> I, I did my part, um, citizens of Twilight Imperium. But it did make me think about this. If you do use the War Sun as a purely defensive unit, and then just try and build like a regular fleet fleets. and yeah. go from there, I wonder what kind of mileage you can get out of that. But a, a fleet that is just cruiser twos and only cruiser twos, I don't know if that's a just a general yeah. fleet makeup that we can recommend. Like especially into the late game, I'm not sure that can really hang. Right. Mid game, maybe yeah, you can get some gains out of that. And, and honestly, if we're even going that route, like I would say, I think you still want gravity drive on your war sons because you do like maybe they're defending, but you want some flexibility. And if you've gone down that route, guess our wing tools and get dreadnought too. Like yeah, have that maybe. as your backup fleet. Then, I, uh, I don't see why cruiser two is the route. God, you this need. is why the muat one was so hard to build as it just seemed like we could make an argument for almost every single unit besides Warsaw. And then I was like, well, okay, what's the, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's tough. Um, I I would say Avimo actually had a really good post in general. We did not use all of it because it was, it kind of touched on a lot of different topics. Um, If you guys are on our board game geek guild, uh, I would encourage you to look at it. It is probably of all the counterpoints that we got, I would say it's probably the most in depth. Right. I don't know how much I can recommend the entire. It never worked for us. Yeah, so it just didn't work to... for us. That's really what it yeah. comes down to. Um, and it evidently it has worked for Avimo, 
Um, and dope. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's great. I wish it had worked for us, man. Um, let's do... Last one we got is from Imsen. Um, this is an interesting idea. This is from our Board Game Geek Guild. Um, if a con is in the game, would you be best friends with them and swap promissory notes in the first round? This would give you the ability to make friends and trade with anyone, and Hakan will probably get a war son round two. Um, I think I definitely would. I mean, yeah. like, it would I think be... the bigger question is, Hunter, if you were Hakan and I was Muat, would you take this deal? This is always the question of any deal like this. Is like, well, the other person's going to be on board too. Right. Is it worth Muat being able to trade with anyone at the table for you to get the ability to build war sons. This is a little bit cart before the horse, so yeah. I might have to eat my words a little bit here. I haven't played Hakan that many times, but my current feeling as of now, now this might change, mm-hmm. my current feeling as of now is that I would not want to give out my racial promissory note unless it's a kind of dire situation, mostly because thus far the way I play Hakan is more of a, like, off the table controlling yes. the flow of trade and if i give out my racial promissory note i've literally given someone else the ability to kind of like dictate a little bit how yes. trade goes for everybody yeah. and there's nothing people love more than like cutting hakan out, out of, of the trade deal. people love doing that yeah. um so i would say i would be a little bit hesitant but man that's a good carrot on the stick right like it could definitely work and there's going to be plenty of games where hakan is like actually i wanted to go heavy combat this game and i will definitely get war sons round one i will say it's gonna work it's tricky actually to know who's getting the best end of the deal yeah like i actually don't know like i i think hakan because obviously they're getting war son but like if they give up i don't know it just depends it it depends Mm -hmm. on a lot of factors depends on even the player who's offering it to me if the player it it, depending on the type of player i might be down yeah if matt offers me right the warsaw promissory note maybe i might be like okay he's probably planning on taking the trade strategy card and like i'm gonna know how to game that system and it's not gonna help hakan at all right i will have to yeah i would say this even comes down to speaker order yeah like if I can guarantee that I get to take the t- the trade scra- strategy card as a con, this is this errata has gotten really weird because now I'm not even playing from the yeah perspective. right. <laughs> but um, if I can guarantee that I'm going to get that card, maybe I'll be like, okay, I can keep I can keep my stranglehold on trade a bit longer, yeah. and get this war sun tech. But who knows? I don't know. I, I it's a very uh, I think you found a good target for right. someone to work on. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, in general, any race that is starting from behind this goes for a winu too i mean at the very least i'm sure we'll have an errata of like wouldn't winu want hakan as like an early buddy always yes Hakan. Yes. that's like what hakan's whole deal is like if someone needs an early game buddy hakan is really good i will say though mua has a lot more to offer you yeah. know what i mean oh, like it's definitely. like because well, I, I actually did we even say like winu only has three commodities they're an they're average commodity yeah, yeah yeah they're a leech yeah <laughs> so that's it. Let's do some rundown. Let's get out of here. Yeah, we we gotta uh, go. we we are done though. We're done, Hunter. Not done with first round strategies, but we're done with the really hard, terrible ones. All yeah. we got left is ghosts, Lizix, Hakan, and oh yeah, those guys. Who? What's left? We're gonna move on. It's the Yin Brotherhood. All right. So the rundown is: get us on Twitter. On Twitter, you can hit, hit us up on Twitter. We've got a space cat. At Space Cats Pod for our game updates and announcements. Also, keep tweeting us your bad board game ideas. This is vague, ill-thought-out board game ideas. The less of an idea you have, if it's just the title of a board game that's got kind of an ironic, funny ring to it, that's great. We just need more bad board game ideas. And if you can include the hashtag MRBR to that, 
that would help us out a lot with this uh, other project we've got kind of in the in the oven. And Facebook- you know what? Send us pictures of cats in space. Ooh, that's fun. Uh, and Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you can hit us up, Space Cats Ooh, that's Turtles, fun. for announcements uh, as well as questions. Uh, you can like message us on there. I answer lots of questions on Facebook, uh, the Twilight Imperium subreddit uh, for our episode posts and ongoing discussion based around episodes. Board Game Geek Guild for discussions as well as the calendar of upcoming episodes, which I think I need to update now. Um, you can email us at Space Cats Space Cats Peter Turtle. Peter's Turtles. Peter's. <laughs> we have a friend named Peter. He has lots of turtles. Email us at Space Cats Peace Turtles. Hey, I'm Peter. You won't see this turtle. At gmail.com for uh, con- contributions to This Imperium Life as well as plays of the week. Send us peaceful turtles. Yeah, send us some peaceful turtles. No, actually, don't send us that to the Gmail. That'd be cumbersome because we get enough things there. Um, we have a Patreon, patreon.com, Space Cats Peace Turtles. Uh, to contribute, help make our podcast even better, also help contribute to our goal of making a Gen Con tournament video. We're definitely doing it, but you're going to help making it better by right. contributing to our Patreon. You're allow us to do more with yes. it, I think, yeah. is really the thing. We also have a Discord. You can find the links in our posts, uh, and that's where we just have lots of fun confer- uh, conversations. That's also where you can get your Patreon benefits. Uh, we're currently starting to do whatever our next uh, Galactic Council episode is going to be. Oh, yeah. So if you want to get in on that... Make a contribution, get on our Discord, and become a part of the conversation about what maybe our next Galactic Council episode will be. You can also rate us uh, primarily on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. That helps our rankings and gets more uh, visibility for our podcast and more visibility for Twilight Imperium. Uh, Hunter, give us some thank yous for this week on Patreon. I got some Patreoners I want to thank. I want to thank Thom. He's a great Patreoner. Been seeing him a lot on the Discord lately. He's, he is our king of memes on the on the Discord. His meme we game. have a separate channel that's just Meme Town, mm-hmm. and Thom reigns supreme in Meme Town. Yeah, makes me laugh. Makes me laugh. We also want to thank uh, Patreoner uh, Fantastic Mr. Fally Fan. Mm-hmm. That's a Ms. fun one to say. Fantastic <laughs> Mr. Fally Fan. Thank you, also, Fantastic Mr. Fally Fan. Can I thank one? Yeah, you got to thank one. This is a personal thank. I want to thank our Patreoner Alex Lilburn. I went to San Francisco this last weekend and I stayed at his house, and also he contributes to the Patreon because he's a weird friend. A thanks, thanks, Alex. <laughs> a double thanks. My mom doesn't even contribute to the Patreon, <laughs> and Alex does. Our personal friend Alex. You'll remember him. He was on the he was on the episode. I get to do the play of the week this Let's week. Let's do it. Because last week you were like, I've done I it. Tr- and it. then actually that wasn't even true though. I went back. That wasn't true. <laughs> that was that was a lie. I'm gonna errata your <laughs> last week you were like, You did you've done it twice and that no, because Alex did it. The Alex time for it. That's it. It's well, just that you didn't do it. That. I didn't do it for that. a long time. I'm just really hey, good. Hey, Hunter, at, give us the play of the week. I'm good at play of the week. This play of the week is from Miss Sarl Rock, frequent con- contributor. On the Twilight con- contribute, Yeah. Contributor. Mm, we're getting good at this. Yeah, play of the week. So, it's the first round of a four-player game. I'm Creus and have the speaker token. I take Warfare as my first pick. Imperial is my second. Ooh, baby. The public objective is to have ships in two systems adjacent to Mechatol Rex. And I have the secret objective to control Mechatol Rex and have three ships in the system. Wow, those really go together. I take Aranam Mir with everything so that Sar can't come through the Galaxy Rift and disrupt my plans. Then I flip Warfare to return the token and take one out of strategy to put into tactics. Then I proceed to build in my home system. I put my two destroyers in two systems adjacent to Rex, resolve the secondary of diplomacy to refresh Aranam Mir, and then take Rex and score the point from Imperial 
and score the adjacency objective before scoring the secret objective in the status phase for a total of four points in one round. A early gameplay of the week. Yeah. Look at that, shaking it up, something different. Also, it was a four-player game. We never do that stuff yeah. or talk about it. <laughs> I'll say this much about uh, getting four points in round one. That either guarantees you'll win the game by, like, round four or you're just, you're so doomed. Weren't you telling me that you saw Blarknob do that at, the, like, uh, a tournament? The Gen Con tournament. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he won with Jolnar, because it's Jolnar. This was right. TI three days, but yeah. Blarknob won, like, with the most ridiculous turn one play. Blarknob, send us a play of the week that just absolutely outlines all of that tournament play, because it's completely ridiculous. Wait, like, you were saying he, like, invaded someone's home system it's and like then a, also scored, like, a bunch of points? Well, he like, took, I'm pretty sure he took Mechatol Rex and someone else's home system on round one. That doesn't even sound possible. I know. So, Blarknob, we need your play of the week of that specifically so that we can read it in an upcoming episode. I think I know the episode I want to put it on. So, oh, anyways, yeah. uh, that's going to do it. Thank you for joining us on Space Cats Peace Turtles. Cool, yeah, right on. Uh, this is actually getting kind of fun for me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica. Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>